I wish I knew that trying to control any part of it was incredibly futile. And if what you really want is to be a mother, you will be a mother. It's just a matter of how. What would you do all over again and why? I'm Natalie Carpenter, women's health and fertility advocate, dot connector, and former corporate brand warrior. Each week, join me in candid conversation with an inspiring public figure who boldly shares their real-life stories of adversity, impact, and what they did next, and if they would do it all over again, knowing what they know now. Welcome to the All Over Again podcast. Adriana Kerrig is the founder and CEO of Little Words Project. After years of experiencing bullying, Adriana knew she wanted to do something to make a difference. For the last decade, her company, The Little Words Project, has been spreading kindness, one inspirational bracelet at a time. Adriana is also the founder and co-host of Glow Through It podcast. Hi, Adriana. Welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to see you again. It's been a while. Thanks. I know. It's been so long. I'm so glad we're making this happen. It's funny. I think the first time we met, Little Words Project, your baby, your first baby, was just up off the ground, and you were doing a pop-up with Saks Fifth Avenue yep. in a really cool space. Like I felt like yep. it was in the woods, like kind house. of, yeah, in the Hamptons. Yes. It was so awesome. I got to see the magic happen. I, there was your team making their bracelets, making your bracelets. I remember thinking, my God, this is such a brilliant idea. Yeah, thank you. No, you were so sweet. And then to bring us into future projects with you was awesome. And it's definitely crazy how far we've come since that time when we first met. It's like insane. It was so much fun. Do you still do activations like the one that we did at, at She Summit and at, with Audi and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we always do. That's actually still very much so a part of our brand identity is how we activate in you know, the real world and how we bring this experiential kindness activation to women and men, you know, anyone who wants to be involved in like boots on the ground, you know what I mean? Like in, in actual real life. So it's been very cool to see how we've continued to evolve that and have worked with some incredible brands, you know, from Nike to Tarte Cosmetics and just some incredible people that have reached out from all over that have wanted to involve us in in what they're doing. And this is what a great way then to like sit and have these bracelet making activations, just these incredible experiences. You must be so proud to see where Little Words Project has come. Oh my gosh, I really am. It's crazy. I mean, I'm pinch me proud, right? Like you just don't realize what's happening. Part of you is kind of like, is this real? <laughs> how did this, how did we get here? No, I'm very blown away by it all every day. So I do want to ask you more about Little Words Project, but first I want to talk to you about you, the visionary behind Little Words Project. So Adriana, what gets you out of bed every morning outside of having to run a now very large company? Oh my gosh, <laughs> my son, <laughs> being a mom and getting through each day with as much of a smile on my face as I possibly can. You know, I really relish being 
having someone who lights up when I walk in the room. It's like the most special thing I've ever experienced. And then, you know, similarly, I guess when I walk into the office, I don't know that they all light up when they see me, but they definitely, it's definitely a a lovely thing having so many people look up to me and seemingly respect me and and want to, the office, not my son. And want to uh, learn from us, learn from me and grow. It's, it's really, it's a tall order, but it's definitely something that I'm, I'm proud to be able to do. So what would you do all over again or not do all over again and why? Honestly, I would do it all, all over again. Nothing would be that different. And that's because I really feel like hindsight is twenty twenty. You learn so much about why everything occurred in your life when you get to look back on it. Right. So for me, if I had done something differently, like if I hadn't done that first partnership with Saks or I hadn't taken that first order from Saks, I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't. There's so many things that transpire because you choose to take one path over another that if I had done anything even remotely differently, I, I don't know what would have changed. And so for me, it's like, I love where we're at now. I love where both my personal life is, my family life and my business life that I'm like, it all happened as it was supposed to. And as a result, I've gotten to a place now where I can look back and say, I understand why I went through XYZ difficulty. I would do it all over again, pretty much the exact same way. (laughs) So speaking of which, in hindsight, do you feel that bullying, which has so much to do with the foundation of your business, happened to you or for you? For me. Totally. To me and for me. I mean, it it felt like I was not chosen in a way because it almost makes it seem too spiritual, but it really felt like as it was happening and it happened so much and so often and from so many different angles and it continued into college that I was like, okay, so like I'm supposed to be going through all of this, right? Like I really kind of saw that writing on the wall not too early on. Like I, I wish I had seen it earlier and I wish I could have accepted what I was going through when I was in it, when I was like in middle school and high school, but you don't have that foresight as much when you're younger. But when it went and continued into college and it continued being this like, and it was this like female cruelty and female competition I was experiencing. I really felt in those moments, like the fact that this is still happening to me feels like there's a reason And I'm going to give it purpose and I'm going to actively take this story and turn it into a positive one. And and from an early stage in college, I knew that I wanted to create something that would flip the narrative, take me from being, you know, a victim to someone who had to go through this in order to grow through it and come out on the other side and and make a difference in the world, which is what I try and am trying to do with Little Words Project. And what would you have told your younger self now that you know everything that you know? I would have told her that there's a reason for all of this and you have to go through it. You have to go through it. You can't go around it. You can't never experience it. It has to happen to you because once it does, the more it happens, the more awakened you will be to how difficult this world can sometimes be for young women, older women, women in general. And then, you know, at fast forward through the last decade or so, 
all walks of life people, all types of people. It's, this is a tough world that we live in, and it's only getting tougher with the rise and complete takeover, if you will, of social media and how the connectedness of people on the internet. So I feel like if I had the chance to, to tell her that everything you're going through is going gonna, is gonna to make sense one day and it's going to feel like it had a purpose and a meaning and a reason, I think younger me would have been a little bit more receptive, if you will, to the negativity, knowing that there was a bigger purpose behind it. And you're a parent now. Mm-hmm. This probably hits differently for you because you want to protect your baby and make sure that he doesn't ever have to go through the things that you did. And I, I know you just shared that you feel like there was a purpose to that. And you seized that purpose. But what would you tell other parents who are trying to be supportive of, of their children who are being bullied? I would tell them to just to love them and to just fill their emotional cups and fill them up with empowerment and kindness and self-love talk and anything that can just kind of encourage them and, and let them know that there's so much more out there besides what you're going through right now. And I think my mom did a great job of that for me. You know, we used to talk about in moments where I was like really low and feeling really sad. She would say three months ago, this wasn't even on your radar. Like this, this wasn't a problem. This didn't happen to you three months ago, right? Now it's your whole world. But imagine three months from now, So I really like to look at things and always look forwards and backwards and not left and right, like not comparing myself to others, but rather how far have I come? What have I accomplished? How, what have I gotten through, right? That has felt in the moment felt like the world was crashing and how far do I have yet to go? So I think sharing with your children, your own personal experiences of what you've overcome and what you were capable of and reminding them of their own difficulties they've already overcome, even if they're young, you know, they, they can always attribute or remember some moment where they, they got knocked, knocked down, but they got up again. Right. And just continuously filling them up with the positive. If they're, if, if they go to school and, or anywhere and their, you know, their cup is poured out of their positive and people are filling it with negative, then it's mom and dad's job or parents job to, fill that cup back up at night and help them fill it themselves, if you will. So easier said than done. I know that it was a very tough time for my parents when I was growing up. I used to be able to hear them crying through the wall, right? And we would all be like crying ourselves to sleep at night because how is this happening to us, right? And none of us really had the foresight. We just all leaned on each other. And I was just very lucky to have supportive and loving parents. So doing whatever you can to support and love your child, I think is the best you can do. But yes, I'm petrified. And I, to this moment, don't know what I'm going to do about my kids schooling because it just, the world is a scary place and it's a scary, it's just scary. It's scary. It's all scary. And having gone through a yes, I have purpose behind it, but doesn't mean that I necessarily want him to have to go through this kind of stuff too. Sure. And it's beautiful that you found community, so to speak, with your family, right? Because community is very hard to find in general. I mean, maybe a little easier these days because of social media, but then it's like, how much do you want to get in or out or what have you? But but needless to say that social media is a double-edged sword. 
but it's amazing that your parents were that community for you. How did you get through it? How did you get through bullying? Them, yeah. And that community concept. I mean, actually, I also leaned on my cousin at the time was in my grade. He was a boy and he like kind of adopted me with his group of friends. So I was like the one girl in a group of like five video game playing boys going growing up. And I also did find myself a little group of girlfriends that, you know, we had our ups and our downs as all groups of girlfriends do. But I, I just kind of leaned in whatever, wherever I felt good and whatever was bringing me some sense of joy, I leaned into that in the moment. And I think um, that's another thing that I would help anyone going through it is or anyone going through anything is like you're you're told to kind of lean into that positive, right? So even if it's just the way, uh, you know, coffee in the morning makes you feel like get your coffee, you know, don't worry about the calories or whatever it is that is gonna, you know, send you over the edge. Just worry about feeling good in that moment. And I really did, did do that. And then also I had, I did find community in my church, actually, my church's youth group. And it was just like, it wasn't as religiously focused as maybe the average church youth group, but mine was all about bringing kind kids together. And we talked about our difficulties in the group setting. And it was actually there. I We had, were introduced something called warm fuzzies, which were these like yarn balls that we would make. And then do you know warm yes. fuzzies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember so, the warm fuzzies and you would pass them around, right? And you'd compliment yes. the person as you gave them the warm yes. fuzzy. Yes. I loved that. And there was like a video that went with it called like Warm Fuzzy World. And there was like a song that went Anyway, it was just like, it really got me through those times. And believe it or not, that concept of the passing on of the Warm Fuzzies was what I thought of and leaned on when I was thinking of the bracelets. The bracelets with the idea of you wear them and then you pass them on and you pass on this kindness and this moment, right, was very much so inspired by the warm fuzzies that helped me through difficult times in my church's youth group. So there is just so much that comes when you lean into community and when you lean into the things that make you feel good and you never know what's going to come from that. So that's so funny that you remember them because, yeah, that's big inspiration for Little Words. In fact, the version that I made in college, I made like my first batch for my college sorority at the time. They were called Warm Fuzzies. That was the original inspiration, was the Warm Fuzzy for the Little Words Project bracelets. I'm getting really excited. I'm sorry. I'm like knocking around the microphone because I'm so excited about the Warm Fuzzy discussion. (laughs) So when was the moment that you, you thought, I am going to make these beautiful, inspired words bracelets and pass them along? Was it when you were at your church youth group doing the Warm Fuzzy ritual or some other time? It was all like boiling up to a point where I then finally made them into bracelets that became like something I could actually sell in the world. But it did start in high school. I had been making bracelets with words on them for myself, but it was never the intention of passing them on, right? Then couple that with my experience in youth group where I had the warm fuzzy story that kind of lived over here. The bracelets lived over here on the other side. And then I got to college, joined a sorority and The sorority was actually my first experience with seeing that there could be true like sisterhood amongst just females. I really had a lovely sisterhood and it kind of awakened me to this knowledge that like groups of women, when we come together and support one another and love one another, it actually 
makes a huge difference in our mental psyche and what we feel like we can accomplish and how positive we feel about, you know, ourselves. And, and it all just is a snowball effect that turns into, you know, a really beautiful thing at the end of the day. So as a part of being in that sorority, I was the VP of membership and recruitment. And they had asked us, you know, via cor- uh, corporate, I'm calling them, but headquarter HQ Delta Zeta Nationals, had asked us to keep, you know, how, how do you keep the love circulating as the VP of membership? So in that moment, I was like, you know what, what if I paired the warm fuzzy concept with the bracelet that I make myself anyway, and we started passing them amongst each other. So it was really just to build more community in my sorority. It took off. Once we, I made the first batch, the girls loved them. We passed them person to person. If you were going to have a test, you were, you know, your sister would give you luck. If you went through a breakup, someone would give you love or strength. And it really just started to unify us even more. So then fast forward to once I graduated, that's when, you know, I saw the girls were still doing it. I didn't know necessarily where I was going with my life. I was going to go to law school. That was the plan. And I thought to myself, you know, Instagram had just started and people were taking pictures and hashtagging things. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if when you pass them on, you could track them and see where they go? And then once that third piece came into the pie, it really, it was like an aha, get out of bed moment where I thought to myself, why couldn't this be something that brought sisterhood to women everywhere and sisterhood to the masses, if you will. So it really did start out truly as a, as a female born, raised, operated everything company and has since expanded to include as many people as possible, no matter what, how you identify, because we could all just use that self-love and that kindness and help, <laughs> support. So yeah, that was it. That's pretty much the, or- the origination. That's a beautiful story. And there was also a story, if my memory serves, behind that choice to eventually go to law school versus pursuing Little Words Project. Can you share with us? Well, yeah, it, not so much a story as just like, LOL, I totally shifted gears. Um, I was taking my LSAT. So I took the LSAT in college and then I took it again right after graduation. I had taken a little bit of a gap year and traveled and worked in retail for a while and then was going to take it again. And if I had gotten a better score or if I got a score that said, you're going to like Harvard, (laughs) then go to law school. Like I just was so on this track of it's either going to be a great law school or like best in the, in the world, or I'm not going anywhere. And I did not get into, needless to say, I didn't go to law school because it just, it didn't pan out that way. But I also had just come up with the idea for little words at the time, like the making it for the masses. I had just had that aha moment as I was in the middle of studying for the LSAT. So my heart just wasn't in it as much anymore. Um, my parents were extremely, again, supportive and incredible when I was like, you know, mom and dad, I'm not going to law school and I'm instead going to beat in your basement. (laughs) And they were like, how can we help? And my dad, sure enough, was my original shipping department. My mom was the original manufacturing department, if you will. And it was just like a little family affair in those early days. That's amazing. Thank you. Truly a family affair. Oh, yeah. And you've since used Little Words Project to perpetuate themes in your life that are meaningful to you. I've seen you do campaigns and support, I would say, support campaigns around 
motherhood, around mental health, around infertility. Why did you choose some of those themes? How did those themes show up for you personally? Oh, I'd say, yeah, they, they chose me. I always say, I, I was laughing, you know, in my, when I went through my first birth after my bout with infertility, I had a pretty traumatic birth. I ended up with an emergency C-section. My son was in the NICU. Like I had, I went through all this and I said to him, I was like, how do I keep getting put in these, in these clubs? How do I keep ending up in these clubs that I never wanted to be in? Like, I didn't want to be in the infertility club. I didn't want to be in the C-section, you know, emergency C club. I didn't want to be in the NICU moms club. Like I didn't want to be in the bullying club. Like I didn't want to be in any of these clubs. And yet somehow I end up being there. And once I'm in something and once I've experienced something and I realize it, it kind of wake, wakes me up to how many women experience these things, how many other people experience it. And I do feel like my biggest purpose in life is to be a voice for the voice, let me not say for the voiceless, because I think we all have voices, but, and a lot of the, the places I'm in, it's not necessarily me speaking out for those who can't, but rather just, I'm just loud and I will talk about it and I will advocate for it. And I will use this platform as best I can to support those causes and to make sure that others who want to get pregnant, but can't, and yet can't afford the cost of fertility treatments, well, then I want to do something about that, right? Or women who are kind of bullied to feel like they can't breastfeed while their kid's in the NICU, you know, and if they're like really wanting to do that, then I want to support that cause. And it's just constantly like, if I have to go through it, it just, it seems selfish, but it really just like, I wake up in that moment. So yeah, I'd say all those things chose me <laughs> to answer the question. Once I'm in that camp, once I'm in those clubs, I just, I have to speak on them. And I had, it's, it's like a desire, like I, it's a, it burns within me until it comes out. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's so well put. You have been called to be in all of these clubs that you wouldn't otherwise want to be in. I mean, once you're in it, they're the best clubs insofar as the community is concerned, but they are for sure, the hardest clubs to be in. And infertility, I can speak to. I'm with you in that club. I've I've lived that too. And being one in eight couples that goes through it is difficult. And so it's beautiful that you're sharing your voice to support these programs. And, or I should say, it's beautiful that you're supporting these platforms to give a voice to people that need to feel seen, but don't necessarily want to share out loud. Right. Which is, especially with fertility and, and infertility, it, it's such a sensitive subject and something that, you know, I, I wish more women felt comfortable to talk about, but I understand why they don't. But if you do, I do like myself, like, you know, I do feel there is like, it's almost like a requirement for me to speak on it because there are women who, who can't. And don't want to and or feel like they shouldn't. But when you hear other people have gone through things, there really is so much growth and just sense of security in knowing others are, oh, knowing you're not alone. There's so much empowerment in knowing exactly that there are other people out there that, that see you and get you and want to be there in support of you. It's really amazing. It's so amazing. Absolutely. So... How did your infertility experience affect your mental health? I would say it was one of the, 
it was bar none the hardest experience I've ever gone through as a as a person, as a woman. And this is coming from someone who had a lifetime of being bullied and belittled and put down beyond your wildest dreams. But then once I hit this season of life and I was feeling like I was, you know, I had gotten my my shit together. I had created this business. I had turned my mess into my message. I had this really just crazy, wonderful platform. I had this incredible husband. I just, I couldn't wrap my head around having this thing not go well for us, right? Or according to plan. And I also had an undiagnosed, I'm sorry, I had an unexplained infertility diagnosis, which was infuriating. Infuriating. And I think of the people of the one in eight, I think it's like, I don't actually know the the exact percentage, so we'll have to look that up later. But it's like such a small percentage of people who go through infertility in the first place are unexplained. And that killed me too. I'm like, how is there no answers, you know? And it took a real toll. It it, it had me, I, I stopped believing that everything was possible the way I had with my business. I, I, I'm a huge advocate for you have to believe in it. You have to believe in it. You have to believe in it. And then it happens. But like, you can only believe so much when every single month you're on this roller coaster and it's this freaking, you start to trust and believe and hope, and then you get knocked down. Oh my God. It's, and it's the dramatic crash. So it was just the worst experience of my life. (laughs) Full stop. Once we got through and started doing the IVF of it all, it really started to feel better because I actually felt like we were moving the needle, you know, for lack of a better (laughs) phrase but I felt a little bit more in control, which was helpful. And, and I think that's the hardest part is just being completely controlless. Were you good with that? Because you seem a little type A too. So that's no, why. I was not good with it. It's the worst part. Oh my God, it was awful. I couldn't be out of control like that. But that's what I'm saying. Like IVF made me feel like I had a little bit more control. I had something to do. Okay, now I'm going to do the shot. Now I'm going to do, and it made me feel a little bit more like we were actively making progress. Whereas every other month, it was just like, open your legs and pray, you know, it's the (laughs) hardest part. So yeah, it it was, it took a real major toll. And then I will, I'll share, you know, since then. So that was two years of trying to conceive naturally. That was in 2019. We started that journey. 2021, we started our IVF journey. I'm sorry, end of 2020, we started our IVF journey. I actually ended up conceiving via IVF and had my first son Ford in 2021. And then fast forward October or September of 2022, we conceived naturally a complete surprise with the baby that I'm now carrying. And I share that because when I was going through it, I had so many people say, you know, this always happens. And then, you know, women end up getting pregnant naturally. And I hated that. I was like, I don't want to hear that because that's not helpful at this time. And it doesn't necessarily make me feel good. But I share this now because on the subject of infertility, I still very much so struggled once I got this pregnancy. And like once I, I realized I was pregnant, I peed on a stick. I just, it, it was positive. It was all the stuff I ever wanted. And I'm like, but I don't want this right now. And like, I didn't have, it's just another way that infertility just kind of like, it always lives with you, if that makes sense. Like I still identify as a woman who, struggled with infertility, even though I didn't for this secondary child. And it's just, it's hard. It's hard to even put words to it. It's hard to explain what I felt. I I know there are other women like me out there that feel kind of like 
weirdly feel cheated, even though at the end of the day, I got this thing that I always wanted, which was just get pregnant. But I feel like, well, then what the fuck, excuse my French, was all of that for? Right. What, how and why, what, what, like, it's still, you're just, it's very hard. It's very hard to reconcile the whole thing. It's very traumatic. It's and very it traumatic. stays with you. Never leaves. It's awful. It's awful. But I will say I'm, I'm of course, so grateful. I'm, I'm so, I'm excited now. <laughs> Although I do find out I'm having another boy. So I'm going to put my dreams of having a girl kind of on the shelf. Cause I don't think I can go through the whole process again because it's just a lot and it it being pregnant almost you know what the best thing I ever heard was pregnancy is not a cure for infertility that's the most accurate thing I ever heard agree I went through infertility as well I mean once infertile always infertile and even if you get your desire and your wish it's a mindset it's mental health related. And so to that end, it does carry over into pregnancy and sometimes postpartum too. I've got my own story. I'd love to hear yours. Did you feel that your mental health was at all compromised or messed with during your pregnancy the first or second time right now? And let's talk about postpartum too. Yeah. You know, I will say actually about five, six years ago, from the journey of being an entrepreneur and bootstrapping a business and kind of burning the candle at both ends for many, many years, I was diagnosed six years ago with anxiety and depression. So I had to navigate mental health prior to even finding out that I was going to be infertile. I was very, very, very anxious that I would have trouble conceiving. It was actually at the uh, the Audi event that we did together where I, uh, the author of Mama Glow was there and, and talking about fertility. And I like, I remember saying to her, I'm scared. I won't be able to conceive. And like, I had all these thoughts and this was before I even started trying. So long story short, I was, I went on to a anxiety medication called Lexapro, which I'm very open about as well. And I was on that through and still am through every single day for the past six years. So I do think that having that balance or that help chemically with the imbalance of that I was going through throughout that journey helped. So I am very lucky that I, I don't look back on my postpartum time as, as a negative one. For the most part, I think having him and holding him was very healing for me. But I recognize that I'm I'm in the minority with that. And I'm I feel very grateful that I didn't have that negative experience. Breastfeeding also really for me was like a, a positive serotonin filled experience that I I loved. Fast forward, however, to we breastfed from his birth all the way to me getting pregnant the second time. So I had to abruptly stop because my milk started to dry out and I was getting like so just like I hated it. But I think when I stopped breastfeeding, I started to feel like it's almost like I had a very delayed postpartum because I really started to feel like just miserable. I was calling myself depregnant, like depressed and pregnant. (laughs) And it was like the weirdest thing ever. Cause here I am with this baby, with this thing that I always wanted naturally. Right. And yet I'm depressed. I can't get out of bed. I still very much so feel that way. Now I just started seeing a therapist. I'm not ready to give birth in three months. I mean, it's like, I could just dump all this on you right now. I'm sorry, this isn't a therapy session, but 
talking about it is very therapeutic. Um, but I, I was just, I was not ready for any of this. And if I had written it my way, I would have waited five years, gone back to the clinic, popped in one of my girl embryos, you know, like took control of the scenario. And that's just not what happened. And as a result, I've had to navigate just that mental struggle of, I lost my favorite thing ever, which was breastfeeding. I was so sick for the first first trimester. I couldn't go to work at all. I was in bed for three months in the fourth quarter, no less, which in consumer goods is like the most important quarter of the year. <laughs> and I just have been, yeah, I've been, I, I have been a shell of myself and all I can do is take the proper steps to make myself feel better. And that for me is therapy and focusing on the things that I love and make me happy and spending time with my son, which really does bring me joy and then see what happens with this next one. So yeah, the whole thing has been a mind fuck for again, lack of better words. I'm sorry. I'm a, a Jersey potty mouth. <laughs> it's absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and, and I appreciate so much that you're sharing so vulnerably and rawly because I think it's so, it's so hard. It's so hard to be all the things that society wants us to be and then when you've got your own body that one deceives you and then your body comes back and surprises you, it's got to be a total mind fuck. There you go. So, so I'm hearing you. I mean, that makes sense to me why you would feel that way. And, and as you're speaking too, I wish I had had the, the foresight then to have said, you know, I know I have anxiety Maybe there's something that I can do to temper it because it really, pregnancy was fine for me, but postpartum, I had postpartum anxiety. And I would envision things sensationally happening in my mind, like to the point where I was just, it, it made it very difficult. Like I would envision, you know, the the slip, the fall, you know, and falling with my baby. I mean, it was it was so... It was so scary, but it's it happens so often. So I applaud you for taking the steps you needed for you and your family. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry that you went through all that. I can only imagine. And I'm I look, that's not to say that I'm safe from it ever happening, you know, or from it happening this time around, or there's so many factors that lead into it. And I, I was also, you know, I've done the research and talked to all my doctors and everyone felt like considering my history and the fact that I've been on it for as long as I have, it's better not to rock the boat. And, you know, even though they say it might not be good for breastfeeding, it might not be good for birth or, you know, pregnancy to be on, you know, some sort of medication like this. But for me, I was, and I was like, it's mental health is the most important thing that we have to be mindful of as people, as women in general, that, I was willing to risk it a little bit to make sure that I at least felt good enough to be as present and, and as good of a mom and as good of a person as I could be. And so thank you for saying that. But at the same time, I just, I put my trust in myself almost like once I am balanced, I know I can trust myself. And that's really what it comes down to. And bottom line is mental health is everything. And it starts with you. Amen beautiful that you're, you're sharing so 
everything. I mean, you share everything. And I really appreciate that. I appreciate you for doing that. Almost to a fault. I'm definitely an open book. I should probably like close my book every once in a while. But listen, because you know, that's what I'm saying. Like once you're in the club, if you are willing to speak and you're able to speak and you don't feel like you've got family or someone else that makes you feel like you can't, then I do feel like it's my responsibility too, so that other women just don't feel alone and they feel like they can, well, if she did it and got through it and is here surviving and thriving in whatever way possible, even though it's hard at all times, then maybe I can too. So I, I really believe in the importance of that. And you're doing the same. I mean, you just putting, giving people the platform to speak on their stories. You sharing your story is so incredible. So thank you for what you're doing for all of us. Cause these are the types of podcasts that women should be listening to all the time because it really can get you through anything. Thank you. I feel like we, we just had a warm, fuzzy exchange. We did. So thank you. I love <laughs> a that. A little word exchange. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love that. So another question insofar as fertility. Was there a theme that showed up for you during infertility that you had experienced during bullying? Let me clarify that a little bit. So for example, in difficult times in my life, I can now very clearly see that I have had to face my type A and my lack of control. And I may not have always been type A, except for the fact that I realize now that I needed to be type A to survive those moments. So with that said, I'm going to ask again, was there a recurring theme from bullying that showed up for you during infertility? Yes. So it was actually really more about, for me, this feeling of imposter syndrome. I think that is something that I really struggled with when I was getting bullied. I started to believe them, right? You start to believe the negative. You start to believe that you are the person they say you are. And it really makes you feel like you're at constant war with what you used to believe about yourself. And I've always been like, I'm an Aries. I really, you know, I, I'm a confident person. I've always been confident. I, even when I was going through that, but then I would start to get the imposter syndrome. Like maybe I shouldn't feel this way about myself. Maybe I am not beautiful. Maybe I am not as great as I think I am, or as great as my mom tells me I am because everyone else is telling me I'm not right. So I really started to struggle with my own sense of self. I worked through that and I really healed that through building this business because every time I did something positive and the business grew, I filled up that cup of you are what you think you are. You can accomplish what you set your mind to. You can achieve anything you believe in. All you have to do is believe in yourself. And I started to really like, I supported that narrative right in my head. But then once infertility came along, I was back in middle school and high school where I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, like, I'm a woman. <laughs> this is supposed to just happen. I'm confused. Why is this not working for me? Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe I can accomplish whatever I set my mind to. Maybe I'm not, you know, believing is, is not all you need. You need to also have like, I don't know, X amount of shots in your abdomen to, to be able to accomplish this goal that every other woman seems to just be able to get like nothing 
right? And that this is what my low self was talking through in those moments. I know it's not for everyone, but that's what it was. I mean, I just I couldn't understand how this was happening to me. And, and I started to just go back to that place of maybe I'm not who I think I am and maybe I'm not capable. And it goes back to control as well. Like, yeah, yes, Adriana, but you can't control everything. And this has nothing to do with who you are. And all of that stuff needed to kind of be worked through. And that same stuff kind of is tra- following me into motherhood. You know, like I sometimes have my own sense of like imposter syndrome there, like, and birth. I mean, the emergency C-section, I still have not pushed a baby out. And that feels like another thing a woman should just be able to do. So I've constantly been on that road of like, truly like building myself up to a place of, I believe in, in myself wholeheartedly to getting chipped away at and knocking myself and having others knock me down and having to go back to building it up. And I'm in a building phase right now, but I'm like, I'm over it. I don't want to build anymore. I just want to like schedule the C-section and call it a day. So that's my current turmoil. I'm rambling now, but you, (laughs) you get what I'm saying. It's that it all comes back. It always comes back. I think we're always forced to see what we haven't fully resolved before. It's a recurring theme. And, 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 and I, I hear you. Even though we think we got over it, it comes back in a different way, in a different variation until I think we can face it enough to say like, okay, I, I see you. I hear you. What am, how am I going to get past this? So I commend you for doing therapy and doing the work to get there. In full transparency, I'm doing the same. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Good for us. I mean, yeah. I think it's it's really important. I literally just went back after years. I used to be like a crisis therapy seeker, but I haven't been back in 12 years. And we have an in-house therapist that we offer to all of our girls on that's the team. That's amazing. Thank you. I, that's something, again, mental health is so important to us at Little Words Project and, and just us in general. Um, but we offer two free sessions to each of our team members to utilize this woman who comes in. She's amazing. We all love her. But I have I've had her for a year and a, a year now. And I have always been like, ah, I'm, I'm going to schedule. I'm, it's coming. And it just feels like so much to unpack. I'm like, I don't want to. But just two weeks ago, I've had two sessions so far. So like, I'm fine. Like, I'm just, you're catching me just in the thick of getting back into it and recognizing the importance and really just like kicking myself into gear. It's been hard. (laughs) The first steps of anything are always hard. Oh, yeah. You have to face the stuff that you'd rather not. And so I'm with you and I I love that you're doing that and that you offer that at Little Words Project. That is huge. So I'm proud of that. You should be. You have a lot to be proud of. Thank you. <laughs> so knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. what do you wish you knew about infertility then that you know now? I wish I knew that trying to control any part of it was incredibly futile and that, you know, and it's hard to even say that because in in some way I did know that and it didn't necessarily help. It's almost like there was nothing I could have told myself then or that I could have known then that would have changed the fear of never being able to have my child because it was something that I wanted so badly for so long And I think I was put on this earth to be a mom for, you know, for sure. 
or to not necessarily be a mom as much as to like have this baby boy who I just had. And I, I am so excited about the second one, but I think this was the kid I was always supposed to have. So I think that too, like having that foresight a little bit more and being a little bit more like knowing who he was going to become and how incredible he is. If I had, if I could just see a crystal ball and see him right now, I think I would have breathed a little easier, but the fear is the most over overwhelming piece of infertility. It's just the fear that it will never happen. So no matter how much you know, or how much you have seen other people get through it, it's still, I almost don't even want to say anything because it wouldn't have helped. I don't know if you feel the same way. The only thing that would have helped is being able to see and know that he was going to come. And so that was actually my word that got me through the whole thing. And it was the word, no, K-N-O-W. And that's what I wore on my wrist because it's, it's more than just believe, which is my favorite word. It's more than just trust. It's fully knowing it was going to happen for you. And to get there is this like alternate plane of your brain waves. Like it's impossible to believe that because none of us have a crystal ball, but it's the only thing that gave me some calm. So yeah, I wish I knew that it was going to happen. That's what I wish I knew. <laughs> Said like a true type A. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. I wish I had better advice, but I, I don't even want to give false advice because like it shit sucks, man. Like there's nothing you can do when you're in it besides hope, pray, and know. Just try to know it in your bones. Know that you're going to survive. Point, yeah, you're going to survive. And if what you really want is to be a mother, you will be a mother. It's just a matter of how, right? And even if that just results in you mothering yourself for the rest of your life. Because Absolutely. none of us do that, right? Especially once we have our kids. So if it never happened and I just had to mother myself, I mean, I'm sure my husband and I would have had a really lovely traveling traveling life, right? Where I came first. And your business would have thrived. Yeah. It would have been your first baby, it right? And, yep. and you're right. I think that if someone really wants to be a mother, there are so many different ways and avenues. Yes, from the actual bringing home a child at some point capacity, there are options. However, being a mother doesn't stop at having a baby and having a business allows one to be a mom to your point mothering yourself allows one to be a mom I think there are so many beautiful ways in which we can mother that aren't just constrained to these this this idea of what society tells us motherhood is supposed to be I think just it, no matter where you are in the journey knowing that, believing that, and also being okay with that and working through whatever you need to do to be okay with that. And then also believing that even though it makes no sense right now, even though I couldn't understand why I was going through what I was going through, at some point I did know that at, at some point it would make sense, right? And so now that I see this specific child, I understand why I couldn't get pregnant for two years because I was supposed to have this embryo that turned into this baby. Now that I am pregnant again, I understand why I had to get pregnant naturally, right? Once I have this baby, it'll be this baby that does it. And then alternatively, if I never got pregnant, I'm sure I would be standing on some shore somewhere with some cocktail in my hands and 
some dream that I've just put, brought to fruition saying to myself, well, I guess that's why everything happened the way it did. And that is the thing that provides me the most solace always. No matter what happens, at some point, I will be able to look back, connect the dots, and understand it. And it all goes back to the word no. K-N-O-W. Exactly. What resources would you share with a friend or family member going through infertility? Ooh, probably like podcasts like this one or anytime you hear someone talking about their journey vulnerably and reaching out to people that you know that have gone through it. You know, I think it, it goes such a long way to be able to hear other people's stories especially when they're positive ones with positive outcomes, really trying to, again, let that good energy kind of, you know, rush over you. That, that helped me a lot. Working with local fertility clinics, speaking to fertility doctors, getting your, your levels tested at a young, younger age, even if you're not 100% ready to get pregnant, just like being aware of it, yet not trying to control it is the best advice I would give. And I think Once you're in it, these types of podcasts really helped me just learning all that I could learn. Again, feeling like you can control something. (laughs) Even if it's the smallest thing, right? It feels good to control something. Totally. So you've accomplished a lot in the last decade professionally and a lot personally in the last few. What's next for you? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, keep on, keep on keeping on. I want to keep going. I want to keep accomplishing. There's so much that Little Words Project has yet to do. You know, we are starting our retail journey now. We have seven stores currently uh, across the the country working towards hopefully having 25 on the list um, by the end of next year. So really kind of taking on that next piece of the journey with Little Words Project, as well as you know, just continuing to grow it and grow the team and just grow the business's impact on the world. Maybe we can go international at some point in the coming years. That'd be really fun. And then, you know, personally, raising this family, raising these boys, who knows what'll happen in the future, though. Like I said, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a two and done kind of mom, <laughs> um, which is also funny to say as someone who struggled with infertility, I personally hate being pregnant. I, I have to be honest with that. <laughs> like the hardest thing to do, the indigestion is wild. So I'm like, I'm good on this. Again, there's there I am just being honest. But yeah, I, I think I just wanna I just wanna keep doing more of the same. And I wanna have the time to love every phase of the journey and appreciate every step of the way. Because like I said at some point, it's it's all gonna it's all gonna make so much sense. And that is the best solace I could ask for. Thank you so much, Adriana, for joining me today, for your candor, for your vulnerability, and for just showing up, not just for me here today on this podcast, but showing up in life and for everyone out there through Little Words Project. Thank you for having me. I have had such a fun conversation with you. This was very therapeutic. I can maybe skip my therapy lesson session this week. <laughs> Just kidding. I shouldn't. Um, But no, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for always believing in little words, even when we were a much smaller brand. And again, when you reached out, I was so excited to bring it full circle. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the All Over Again podcast. 
I hope that you learned something from today's episode. If you enjoyed this, please leave a five-star review about All Over Again on Apple Podcasts. Please also let me know what spoke to you about the episode on our social media channels at All Over Again Podcast. I can't wait to hear from you.